Are you struggling in your faith? Are you pretending you're happy but stuck in a spiritual rut? Are you tired of listening to famous pastors and preachers who make it sound so easy? Welcome to Broken Catholic, the number one Protestant and Catholic voice in America. I talk about the important things that nobody else is talking about, like how to align with God's plan for your life, because I believe this is where 90% of Christians get stuck. And I tackle the negative self-talk that we all secretly struggle with but won't admit. My guests are brave Protestants and Catholics who share their struggles, their fears, and their daily holy habits that help them win in their spiritual lives. I'm your host, your coach, your friend, Joseph Warren. I'm also a broken Catholic and former atheist and a spiritual coach to Christian business owners and CEOs who are married with children. This show was created for you, the broken Catholic, who's pushing to get your spouse, your kids, and yourself to heaven. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, you're just one surrender prayer away. Today, my featured guest is Heather Bassett. You can find her at heathermbassett.com. Heather's life started off as a miracle, being born with two large holes in her heart. For months, doctors constantly said she wasn't going to live. At the age of three, she fell headfirst from a treehouse. At the age of 20, a car approached her head on. God kept saving her, but she didn't realize the significance of God's love until years later. Maybe that's you, BC Nation. You ever have that? Where you look back on your life and you see God all over the place? But when you were in it, you felt, he, you, you felt alone, like he abandoned you? You see, Heather was raised by her Christian grandparents, not learning how to develop a relationship with God and Jesus or communicate freely. She began to experience emotional and mental childhood challenges to suppress her emotions and began to write poetry as a way to release or to vent. These unaddressed issues developed into anxiety, depression, codependency, leading her to conceive and experience a miraculous childbirth. Through this event, God supernaturally helped her, and Heather experienced many testimonies of faith going forward. For the next 17 years, however, Heather battled with God and her emotional issues until that one final miracle she experienced, which caused Heather to surrender, finally surrender, BC Nation, and realized how much God really does love you loved her, loved us all, and what he is capable of, if only we just trust him and trust his promises. See, that's the problem in all our lives. We love God, but we do not trust him. Sit with that for a moment. We love God, but we don't trust him. We're afraid he's going to let us down. That's why we try to control every area of our life and won't give him the control. And by the way, that's what causes all the suffering in our life. Most of it's unnecessary suffering. Heather is now a cognitive behavioral therapist, guiding people through their challenges and assisting them to walk in peace. Heather Bassett, welcome to Broken Catholic. Go ahead and fill in some of the gaps in that intro, would you? 
Well, through all those experiences, I definitely had the realization of who I am in Christ. And through my journey, there were many other testimonies that I experienced, but ultimately it was me realizing that God truly is for me and God truly adores me and he loves me. But it was through all of those little challenges that I had to experience in order for me to realize that. Mm. Now, so there was, there was no fast forward, right? There's no like accelerated life program where we could skip all the pain and all the suffering and just realize and experience God's love and we can trust him. Is that what you're telling me? Well, in my situation, no, it was not that easy. I wish it was, but you know, we've got to go through, I believe we have to go through situations in order for us to really learn and and get the messages God is trying to make us learn. Mm. You know, BC Nation so many times, um, like we want to avoid the cross. Uh, Yet Jesus took on the cross. He went first. And if it's good enough for him, and then he says, come follow me, take up your cross daily and follow me, right? That means the cross is unavoidable. And you have your own version of a cross right now in your life. We all do. And maybe you feel your cross is huge. Maybe it is. However, I'll bet you there's someone on planet earth. There is a person on planet earth that if you stack your cross side by side next to theirs, you would hug your cross and want it back when you see how big and enormous theirs is. Trust me, there's someone suffering worse. There always is. All right, Heather, 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 Heather. Let's get into it. Like you got like, you got some stuff there in your bio I just read. Um, That's not common, not ordinary. Uh, First off, you're born with two large holes in your heart. Tell us about that briefly. What do you mean two large holes? Well, when I was born, um, and you can read about this story in my book, I love to live for Jesus. But in a nutshell, I, um, the lack of oxygen that I was receiving, allowed me to have black fingernails. And my mother took me to the hospital back to the hospital, um, about two days after being home. And the doctors started performing tests and they realized that I had two holes the size of quarters in my heart. And then aside of that, I had my, uh, my oxygen and the blood flow was completely and totally transformed. I'm not transformed. It was going the opposite direction. So ultimately I was supposed to die. And the doctors continuously said that. Week after week, she's not going to live. She's not going to live. She's not going to live. And uh, I developed a staph infection. I developed, I mean, it seemed like the enemy continuously kept on bringing uh, health conditions into the situation to what I like to say, take me out. (laughs) But God had other plans. So ultimately, you know, the doctors kept on saying I was not going to live. And they continued to say this until I was five years old. But here I am. I'm 46 years old. 
and God intervened and he performed one of the first miracles that I experienced in my life. Mm. BC Nation, do you feel like the enemy's trying to take you out? Do you feel like your life's just not working? Do you feel like you lost that sense of vitality, aliveness that you had when you were young? Do you feel like life's a drudgery? I got bad news and good news. The bad news is you're not unique. You're not alone in your suffering. We all have struggles, part of humanity, fallen nature. The good news, whatever the plan of the enemy is to do you harm, God's plan for good for your life is so much bigger. Heather's a living witness of that. Here she is, 48 years old. The, the enemy spent five years, the first five years of her life, trying to take her out and end her life. And God said, no, this is my precious daughter. I got her. He's saying the same thing to you. All right, so Heather, you say here you were raised by Christian grandparents. Um, what about your parents? Were your parents Christian? My parents were not Christian. They divorced when I was three years old and they became physically and emotionally. They neglected my older sister and I pretty much. And um, that's why we were raised by my grandparents. Um, mm. so, so the lack of love that I received and what I was desiring from ultimately my parents, um, it was not received. So Oh, goodness. For many, many years, I tried to fill that void. And I did it by becoming codependent and relying on people to give me advice. And, and unfortunately, and fortunately, at the same time, because I learned through this, but I sought men for the love that I was desiring. And that's how I became codependent. And um, yeah, so. Hmm. I get was, that. Yeah. So thank you for going there. That's real. Yeah. Ladies, you're listening right now. Are you looking to a man to fill the God-sized hole in your heart that only God can fill? It goes for you too, gentlemen. Are you looking at women the way I used to, to fill the God-sized hole in your heart that can only be filled by your heavenly father? Are you filling it with stuff, success, money, power, sex, companionship? It could be good things you're filling it with, but it's not God's best for you. See, sin is simply choosing the lesser good rather than God's best. So Heather, tell us more about that in your own life. You, you made some choices. You got pregnant, I'm guessing, right? And then you had a miraculous delivery childbirth. What happened? Tell us that quick story. Yes, absolutely. So through that, 
Oh, wow. Um, so I'm a small little woman. I, I've always been small. I was 125 pounds, 5'2", little tiny something. And uh, I was expect to, expected to have a nine pound baby. Yeah. So right there, if you're a woman and you've delivered a child, you know right there that that's a lot. So with that being a lot, I went through, I, I started to have the contractions and I kind of panicked because at the, it was coming so quickly that they were unable to administer any type of drugs. So I was going to have her naturally and that I went into panic. Well, the baby, she started coming out. And literally I gave up because it was so difficult for me to push that I stopped and the red light went on in the labor room. The nurses came and they started pushing on my stomach and screaming at me. And I literally at that moment in time, and this is the only time in my life that I gave up, but I gave up. And at that moment, I felt a tingling in the middle of my stomach. And with that one push from the doctor or the nurse and my baby came out and the only person that realized what had happened was my grandma, who was a Christian also. And after I had the baby, we were in the recovery room and I said, grandma, I didn't push her out and she spoke to me and she says, I know you didn't because she witnessed it and she saw. So it was completely and totally God that delivered my child. And she ended up being nine pounds and nine ounces. So yeah, I, that was an experience, but that woke me up that moment. I realized that God was for me, God was with me, and God was more. And I realized right then that God was completely and totally in the midst of my challenges and everything that I had been going through. So first off, let me say thank you for sharing that story. Also, that's a lot of baby, 9.9 .9 pounds. I tease my wife because I'm like, if it's a boy, because we just had a baby, right? And I'm like, if it's a boy, I want at least 10 pounds. I want a, I want a solid boy. And she's like, are you kidding me? I am not having a 10-pound baby. Have you not seen me? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, but I want one. And, and so we had an eight-pound girl, uh, even eight which is also a big baby, yeah. especially for a girl. Right. Um, so I really get that. I get that. And what a woman has to go through physically to deliver that size baby. Okay. Here's my question. Yes. Someone's listening right now and saying, Heather, wow, I get it. I, brutal, brutal story. However, how do you know it wasn't the nurse that did the final push at the right place? And that's what caused the tingle and, and your daughter popping out. Why on earth are you giving credit to God? How do you know it was God? 
especially if you aren't praying for him to interfere or intervene? That's an amazing and great question. Um, you know, when you know, you know, you know, that's when you know. Um, it was a feeling that I had never experienced before. It was supernatural. It was the epitome of what I had always heard experiences be like. So that's when I knew, I knew, I knew. What I'm hearing you say is that you had an inner knowing. Mm, yeah. I've experienced this myself where the first time I heard from God, because I had been praying my whole life the way I was taught to pray, et cetera, and never, ever heard back from God. And I don't mean in an auditory way. I mean, in my heart, right? That quiet whisper. I never heard from him. And then I had learned the spiritual discipline from my Baptist brothers uh, that they did every morning and they taught me how to do it. It's like a spiritual muscle, right? And I it took me two weeks, two weeks, an hour a day, an hour a day, just sitting with God, sitting with God, listening, listening, listening. And then finally, after two weeks, one day, I just heard and I sensed and it wasn't me. And I knew it wasn't me. And I knew it wasn't just my mind saying something because it was an answer to a question I've had my whole life that there's no way I would have come up with that answer. Mm-hmm. I know how I think. And it just answered everything. And I just, it was an inner knowing, wow, that was God. Like I just experienced him and I was seeking him earnestly. Right. So I I knew it was confirmed. So I get that. All right. Let's go a little further here. Right. Cause we got some skeptics listening to this show. We got some people that are wrestling. They're wrestling God. They're fighting God, even though he's been showing up and showing his power in their life and doing some miracles. They're denying and not giving him the credit. They're giving the nurse, the credit, they're giving the doctor, the credit, they're giving the psychologist, the credit, the therapist, the credit, they're giving someone the credit, but not God, the credit. What are they missing out on by uh, not just believing that God loves them and they can trust him? What are they missing out on? They're missing out on opportunities to propel further supernaturally to learn how to trust something, somebody that you're not able to see to be able to feel secure within your decisions, knowing that they're not ultimately coming from you, but they're being led by the Holy Spirit, which is given to us as a gift from God. So I would say that they are definitely missing out on opportunities to be able to release themselves and to ultimately put their trust in a higher power that is for you, that is with you, that loves you, that is going to help you in all of your challenges, in the good times and the challenging times, ultimately, because God is there always, 
all weights. To clarify what I'm hearing you say, BC Nation, maybe you're picking this up as well. What I'm hearing Heather say is that carrying the weight of your own destiny is exhausting, isn't it? What's the harm in believing that you didn't create yourself, that you were created by love, for love, by love, and that God, your heavenly father, has an awesome and amazing plan for good in your life? Like, what's the harm in actually believing that versus the alternative of carrying all the weight of control and frustration and pain and suffering of your own life and destiny and purpose on your own, which is exhausting and you just want to quit constantly? Like, seriously, that's your choice. Why do you keep choosing the painful ones? I know I used to. I did it for 40 years. It's like dysfunctional thinking. It's like, I don't know why I keep touching the hot stove. It keeps hurting, but I'm going to keep doing it. All right, Heather, you battled with God for the next 17 years. Tell us about those battles. Why'd you battle him? What were you battling him on specifically? Oh, wow. <laughs> I was um, just still trying to live in the world. I was not ready to surrender 100% to the Lord's will. I was still making my own decisions. And when I say that, I mean... What I mean by that is I was getting attached to the wrong people, making the wrong decisions in my life, uh, still uh, doing what was comfortable to me, the, the old patterns in my life, going to dance clubs, uh, drinking, smoking pot. I was um, at one point in my life, I actually became depressed. I, I had moved from Sacramento to LA and it became um, just disassociated. And I went to the doctor and they started putting me on antidepressants, which actually made the situation even worse. I began having very vivid nightmares. And finally, God spoke to me and he had spoke that I needed to surrender to him. And I heard his voice for the first time but I was still in a place where I wasn't ready to surrender. And I still had to go through many, many, many more challenges. But I, with my battling, I just wasn't listening. I wanted to have control over what he was ultimately trying to have control over. And I had to realize that when I was battling with him, he was trying to expand in me. And I think it's imperative that we know if God is trying to expand us, he is purposely trying to push the old out because he knows what's best for us. And if he is pushing something out, 
he is going to replace it with something better. And what I learned, that it may be a better perspective. And that's what I needed. I needed a different perspective. And that perspective was learning who I am in Christ and knowing my identity in him. And some don't understand what that means, but that is like I was speaking about before, basically having the confidence in God, something you can't see, but just knowing that he is there and he is going to replace the challenging times and the negative behaviors and the defeating feelings with something better. Him. He is the one that you're going to be replaced with and it's going to, oh, I can go on and on. (laughs) I I really like where you went there. And let me ask you this. What was the breaking point for you? The breaking point where you finally gave up self, ego, control, and surrender to him the 100%. What was -hmm. that breaking point? That breaking point is, so I had gone through a time, um, probably about five years, where I thought I was a quote unquote grounded Christian, meaning I was serving, I had become a missionary, and I was, you know, singing in different church choirs, I was involved in children's ministry, and I I was doing what I was supposed to be doing, right? And I felt that I was a grounded Christian until tragedy happened. My 96-year-old grandma, the one who raised me, my mother figure. My wise 96-year-old grandma, the one who raised me, she was diagnosed with cancer. And in three days seven days rather, she would unite with the Lord. This completely and totally devastated me. And I reverted back to past behaviors because that was better than dealing with reality, right? I began to drink again, smoke pod. And I actually, after years, and this is very transparent of me to say this, but after years and years of practicing celibacy, I fell. And that's when I just, I hit ground, ground bottom. And somebody suggested to me that I need to go to Celebrate Recovery, which is a group that basically helps you break your habits and your hangups and anything that is preventing you from walking in who you're supposed to be peace-wise and, um, you know, just living the life that God wants you to. And I attended a step study program for 10 months. I committed to completely learning about myself learning about the choices I had been making and how to correct them and better manage my emotions, better manage myself and my decisions. And that's when I began to completely surrender to God. And ever since then, 
it's been amazing. Of course, I still go through, you know, emotional uh, hiccups from time to time, but I now know how to better manage my emotions and I better, I know how to better uh, my decision making so I can continue to walk with Jesus and walk with God in the way that he wants me to. Wow. Thank you for that. Do you believe it's possible for Christians to permanently remove addiction from their life? Absolutely. I'm a, I'm a living witness. Absolutely. But it takes commitment. It takes the ultimate key component, which I like to call decision. You have to decide that you want to remove and replace those defeating feelings. You have to decide that you want to feel better more often. You have to make these decisions to better yourself. So what I'm hearing you say is that it's not enough to just want a better life or an addiction-free life. You have to decide, like choose it. Absolutely. What about for the person who doesn't feel powerful, who feels completely powerless in the addiction? The addiction has control over them, chemical, right? There's there's chemical behaviors that have shifted. And when they try to stop, it just takes over. Yeah. I get that. I get that. I, I was there, you know, uh, when I was going through depression, I remember not wanting to get up. I remember, and I had a child to take care of. Um, it was, it was so hard. And for those people that don't have that reason, you know, I seek help. I would definitely say, cause we need support. Iron sharpens iron, right? We've got to help one another. And, and, and for the person that is actually experiencing that, yes, it's absolutely difficult, but there's got to be a turning point that you desire that shift. And for those people that know that somebody is going through that, I believe it's their responsibility to make that extra phone call, to find out how that person is doing. And that's what I had. I had somebody that knew and realized the situation I was going through. And she blessed me incredibly by suggesting, hey, Heather, I think you might need to go to celebrate recovery. And it was the best thing that because it changed my life. It literally changed my life. So I think it's twofold. I think it's definitely, you know, Mm-hmm. for that person that's actually experiencing the addiction or depression or whatever it may be, it is that, that decision to make that shift. And then again, for the person that knows that they're going through that to reach out, to ask if they need help and, and to provide an opportunity for them to get help. I think that's such a powerful uh, invitation, BC Nation, that Heather is uh, really putting on us. Look around your life. Look at the relationships in your life. Whose life is obviously not working? Like there's something in their life that's not working. There's probably someone in your life who's battling addiction right now, sex addiction, 
porn addiction, drug addiction, alcohol addiction, pick an addiction, pick a flavor, right? Someone's battling some kind of addiction. They feel powerless in it. You don't want to interfere in their private life. That's your fear. Had Heather's friend, Heather, had your friend not interfered in your private life, where would you be today? Hmm. Hmm. Probably still on that, still on that road. Probably still lost, probably still entangled in the defeating feelings and, you know, just, just caught up in that life. Yeah. I get that so much. Uh, BC nation, if you do not interfere in that person's life and you're waiting for somebody else to, you may be the very person God's been waiting for you to. And you may be, maybe most likely are the prayer, the answered prayer that that person's been praying for. Someone just care enough to push into me, to lean into me, to get tough with me, or to get gentle with me and invite me to, to do something different, to shift something in my behavior, to go to a celebrate recovery or some other type of group. The worst thing you can do to people you love is to be indifferent. It's worse than hate. Hate requires intimacy. To hate someone, you got to be connected to them. <laughs> There's intimacy there. To be indifferent to someone is worse. So look at the friends in your life. Are you be, who are you being indifferent to? You're not interfering and getting up into their hurt, into their pain, into their suffering. Look at Jesus. Jesus like interfered in people's lives, didn't he? He went to tax collectors and prostitutes and he confronted them. He, he got personal. He interfered. He called them out on their private, their private sins. sins. Now, I'm not saying you should call them out, but I am saying that you should open up that safe conversation with them and invite them to do a powerful decision. It could be simply like, hey, that thing, you know, that you're addicted to, that everybody sees, is it working or not working? So that's not a blame question. If they say it's not working, be like, do you want to do something about it or not do anything about it? Again, not a blame question. I want to do something about it. Great. Here's what you could do about it. There's this group. I'm going to go with you. Tuesday night, you free? 7 p.m. Let's go. See, that's what friendship looks like. It's leaning into someone's powerlessness and giving them a hand. Rather than making them wrong that they don't have the power to climb out of the hole they buried themselves in. What do you want to say to that, Heather? Yeah, I just want to, you know, interject on that. And, you know, it's our responsibility to look after one another and to love one another genuinely and not to be afraid to interject. You know, um, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and we have to, I believe, especially with this pandemic, you know, there are so many people going through depression. There, there's an incredible amount of suicide right now. And if we just extend our hand and 
of course, people are going to be vulnerable. Of course, people are going to shy away from their insecurities and their, their, their issues. But sometimes it does just take that lending hand and that extension of compassion and, and love. Ultimately, that, that love that we're supposed to be reflecting anyways. You know, so just, yeah, absolutely. Just that extension. Heather, I think it's so powerful, right? Jesus tells us, love others the way I loved you, right? Jesus interfered in your life, Heather. Yes, you're clear on that. Yes. Jesus interfered in my life when I was at the bottom. He, he interfered. He interrupted. He came in uninvited, <laughs> right? Into my hurt and suffering. Why? Because I was in the gutter hurting and suffering. He didn't say you across the street, get up, you big wuss, climb out of the gutter. I didn't have it. He saw it. So he came into my suffering. And that's what Jesus did when he walked the earth. He came into people's suffering. And he says for us now to go do the same in the lives of others, love others the way you were loved by God. So if you're listening right now and God has interrupted or interfered in your life and pulled you out of your gutter, then your responsibility and duty is to look around you and see others in their gutters of life and sinfulness and addiction and climb in with them and lift them out. So what if they swing at you a little, (laughs) right? So what? You're answering to God, not to them. So what if you look whatever? You look, you know, like it, it diminishes how you occur to others. Oh, I can't believe they're helping that person. That person's so terrible, blah, 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 blah. So what? Remember, Jesus, we're all going to face him at the end, right? And he's going to say, did you help me? When I was hungry, did you help me when I was starving? Did you help me when I was hurt, when I was depressed, when I was alone, when I was abandoned, when I was in prison? Did you help me? And then you're going to say, Lord, where were you? I didn't see you. I saw these bums over here. I didn't see you. He's like, I was the bum in disguise. Like, this is what we got to get, Christian brothers and sisters. Stop walking your selfish little path to heaven. Was that too confronting, Heather? <laughs> no, it's truth. Absolute truth. Absolute. Listen, I believe if you end up in heaven without a whole line of people behind you that you brought into the VIP section, <laughs> you're going to have an unexpected judgment. Yeah. You should never, I should never arrive at heaven alone. That's a problem. And I know for some of you folks out there that are listening, you're not liking what I'm saying. I get it because it's truth and truth stings sometimes when we're not doing what we should. But like you have kids that have stepped away from God. Some of you parents out there and you are not interfering in their lives because they asked you not to. They ask you to re- respect their independence. Listen, when you die, you're going to answer for why they're not behind you in line to heaven. Mm-hmm. Like that will be part of your judgment. 
Like as a parent, you got to own that. It's tough. It's tough conversation. I have a baby. I understand and accept I am responsible to get her to heaven. That means even when she's a teenager and she's hating, right? And hormoning. Like when she's going through suffering of her own in her life, whatever. Like I am responsible to interfere and not be the friend, but to be the father. Like that is our responsibility, start a, a BC Nation. Like you got to interfere in the lives of the people you would love. Do it with love. Do it with gentleness. Do it with compassion and forgiveness, not with judgment. But interfere. Stop making excuses. We are speaking with Heather Bassett. You can find her at heathermbassett.com. She's a powerhouse. I like her story. I love what God has done in your life, Heather. Really, seriously, truly. Um, before we enter my favorite part of the show, thank you for letting me rant just a little bit there. I appreciate you. I know we're equally, uh, yoked in our hearts and the things we've been through. I see that in you, um, BC nation. If you need help right now in, uh, some form of powerlessness in your life, you're battling an addiction. Stop trying to go it alone. If you do not have that person reaching into your life right now, a family member or a friend, would you please, for the sake of you go to my website, josephwarren.net and schedule a warm-up call with me and let me be that person for you. Stop making excuses. You have no one and praying to God. I have no one. No one's helping. No one's helping. And then you're listening to my show every week and I'm inviting you to get on a call with me so I can interrupt your life and interfere in your life, in your addiction, in your powerlessness. We're meant to do this as brothers and sisters in Christ. Heather said it. We're meant to interfere. We're meant to lift each other up. There will be an investment. For sure. You invested into getting yourself in the gutter. You're going to invest into getting yourself out. But you're not going to do it alone, right, Heather? Yes. That's the key. All right. So go to josephwarren.net. Heather, welcome to my favorite part of the show. Welcome to the confession round. Okay. I'm going to ask you 10 quick fire questions. You'll have about three seconds to answer each. It's just for fun. Are you ready? Yes. All right. What's your favorite thing about God? Relationship. What's your least favorite thing about God? Hmm. Being vulnerable. Yeah. He kind of asks us to do it a lot, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> what are you most afraid of? Hmm. I'm actually not afraid of anything. Got it. I believe we're all struggling with something at any given moment of our lives. It's just part of being human. What are you currently struggling with either professionally or personally? My goals. Like hitting them or setting them? Uh, setting them. Setting them. Got it. And so And being consistent. Yeah, I got it. So missing some clarity and consistency. Yes. Okay, got it. What did you spend way too much time doing this past year? <laughs> uh, to my advantage, actually researching. Just too much, too much time Googling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, got it. What secret fear do you have about people? 
I truthfully, I don't really have any fears about people. I, I, years ago, that was one of my battles and I overcame it and I became fearless. Man, you know, someone's listening right now saying, how'd you do it? How'd you do it? Can you give them two sentences of how you did it? Oh, wow. Just two. (laughs) I just, I, I just brought it before the Lord, everything that I was challenged with at the time I was, you know, in a profession where I needed to be fearless and bold and lo and behold, God gave it to me in ways that I could never even imagine. And then I, I began to realize that he was allowing that to happen in all areas of my life. So it wasn't just in my profession at that time. It was all, all throughout my life. So. Got it. What do you wish you had learned sooner about God? Oh, wow. That I don't need to be afraid. That I don't need to run from him. What is a new habit you want to create? Hmm. That's a good one. A new habit I want to create, probably running. Running? Yes. Got it. Not running away from God, though, right? Like actual (laughs) running? No, 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 no. (laughs) Physically running. (laughs) Got it. What's a bad habit you want to break? Mm -hmm. Uh, Procrastination. Got it. From running. (laughs) (laughs) Three words to describe who you are now. Oh, wow. Humble, passionate, and free. Mm, Those are good. Pick three words to describe who you were before you surrendered 100% to God. Uh, Lost, afraid, and defeated. Mm. Such a good word. So many people feel defeated in their lives. If I believe BC Nation, if you're over 40 years old, especially if you're a dude, and I'm not saying it, you know, only guys, but especially guys, like you feel defeated. You've forgotten how to win, like you used to do in your 20s and 30s. And that's where the enemy's just ripping you apart, isn't he? Okay. And last question, Heather, if you could come back to life after you died. Look your family and friends, your daughter in the eye, and tell them only one piece of advice about everything. What would you say to them? Trust God with your heart, with your mind, and your soul, and your strength. So the first commandment. (laughs) Absolutely. Isn't that interesting? Probably why God commanded it. It's good for Mm -hmm. us. Mm-hmm. Any final wisdom? What's the one thing you want my listener to know about having uh, a deep surrendered relationship with a loving father in heaven versus not? Just to trust him, just to take a chance on him, to develop a relationship with God and completely surrender and totally commit your life to him. Step by step, learn to pray and just be vulnerable with him because we have to understand and remember that God knows exactly what we need, when we need it, and how we need it. 
and he's going to meet you right where you are right now, right now, wherever you are, he's going to meet you there. Awesome. And you had something you wanted to read real quick. I did. Um, This is just the beginning page of my book. I love to live for Jesus. And this book is basically it's 67 pages. It's a short testimony book, including five real life miracles. But in the, in the very beginning, this book is a prime example of Romans 8, 28. And we all, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. When we give life a chance to teach us, when we run toward opportunities to help, when we surrender to what Jesus intends for us to do, he will show us insight, show us the unimaginable, the impossible, and the most amazing if we allow him to. And it's within those moments of certainty, we know we are living for Jesus. Amen. Where can uh, BC Nation go find your book, I Love to Live for Jesus? Well, if you go to heathermbassett.com, there is a link right there that says buy book, and it'll lead you right to the website where you can purchase it. Awesome. BC Nation, if you like Heather, you like her story, her testimonial, reach out to her. I'm sure she'd love to hear your story, hear a comment or a question from you, contribute to your life. Uh, go to heathermbassett.com. You'll find the links in the show notes to her book as well. Heather, thank you for being on Broken Catholic. I wish you God's love, peace, and joy in your life. BC Nation, you cannot show up authentically in your life without building faith in your business. If you want the business side of that conversation, I have another podcast called First 100K, where I interview successful entrepreneurs about how they made their first $100,000, because that's where I believe 90% of you are stuck and you can't break through. Go to first100k.com to find out how. I'm Joseph Warren. You were made for greatness. So stop being a wuss and start being a winner. Have a blessed day, and I'll see you right back here next week.